Welcome back to the program. Perhaps it's the state of the world today, but everywhere fantasy seems to be in the ascendancy. The retelling of Narnia, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and Lev Grossman's The Magician series all speaks to what seems to be a compelling need. Lev Grossman has just published the third and final installment in his series, entitled The Magician's Land. Lev Grossman is the book critic and lead technology writer for Time magazine. He's a widely published cultural critic and the author of the New York Times best-selling novels The Magicians and The Magician King. It is my pleasure to welcome Lev Grossman to the program to talk about The Magician's Land. Lev, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. I want to start in, in a broader sense first and talk about this whole arena of fantasy and the fascination we seem to hold for it, both young and old alike. Talk a little bit about that. You know, it's, a very, it's an interesting time for fantasy um, because I do feel as though uh, it's had a real kind of renaissance, starting with, with Harry Potter, but then going through Twilight and the, and the, the Lord of the Rings um, and, and you know, now Game of Thrones is, is so ubiquitous. People are interested in fantasy in a way that they haven't been for a while. Uh, and I have to think it's kind of a reaction to um, the pervasiveness of technology in our lives right now. Uh, I feel as though, uh, you know, technology is being pushed on us so hard. This is the answer to our problems. Uh, and I think a lot of people feel as though, wait, all this technology, it's not making me feel more connected. It's making me feel more alienated. Uh, and there must, be, there must be something else out there. And I think people turn to fantasy sometimes to try to think about what that is. Is fantasy in some ways, or at least the fantasy that we have today, that we see today, sort of antithetical to technology in some sense? Um, I think it is in some sense. Uh, I wish I had more to say sort of analytically about what that is. I am very conscious that, you know, when you think of how the modern fantasy novel was born, think about C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, uh, they were living at a time when they'd seen so much technological change in their lifetimes. They had seen mechanized warfare arrive. They both fought in World War One. They'd seen horses replaced by cars. They'd seen, seen the electrification of cities, replacement of uh, gaslight by uh, electric light, rise of, of mass media. They'd seen all this technological change, and they and they responded to it by writing about these sort of green prelapsarian landscapes, um, these medieval landscapes uh, that were empty of technology, and they really longed for that world. I feel like we've been through uh, a big technological upheaval, too, um, uh, in our lives, and I think in some way, turning to fantasy is a way to imagine uh, a world before that, or a world uh, without technology. Um, uh, because I think, you know, there's a kind of buried longing for that that a lot of people feel. What is the nexus, then, between fantasy and science fiction? Yeah, they, I mean, they're so often lumped together. Uh, right. they, they, they tend to be shelved together. Um, I, I think of them as, as, I guess, very different, different things. I mean, the science fiction, among other things, you know, wrestles with this question of uh, what technology means, what's it, what is its place in our lives. We build these tools, and then these tools sort of change us in response. Um, whereas fantasy, you know, thinks about things very differently. It imagines a world, you know, that, 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 that's largely non-technological, where the power rests with magic, uh, rather than technology. I think of them as, as very different things. Um, uh, and I sometimes wonder why they're grouped together. 
Uh, and yet, at the same time, I, I'm a big fan of them both. Um, there must be a connection, um, but it's not an obvious one. In many ways, they are really two sides of the same coin, one escaping the world into the future, and in some respects, the other escaping the world into the past. You know, I always, I always push back on this word, uh, this word escape. Um, it, uh, you've, you've hit upon a pet peeve of mine. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't think of fantasy uh, as an escape particularly. I mean, when you think of uh, something like... Um, a world like Westeros, where uh, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, Game of Thrones, where that takes place. Um, it's, it's such a, a dark world, a gritty world, uh, a, a world with, with, with terrible problems. Um, you wouldn't, you don't, wouldn't think of it as a place to escape to out of, out of this world. I think of fantasy much more as a way of entering a world where you can kind of re-encounter the problems that you're having in the real world, in your real life, but encounter them you know, in a kind of mythological way. Uh, uh, you can you can grapple the, grapple with them as these grand mythological struggles. Uh, I feel as though you know you're confronting real problems, but you're confronting them uh, in this kind of uh, uh, fantastical fantastical way. And you know when you come back to the real world, I feel like you didn't escape out there. You uh, you you just got to do a, a different kind of perspective on these problems that 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 are you know they're fantastical, but they're also on some level very real. I suppose where that goes in in a metaphorical sense is that perhaps it gives us a new perspective, a new way of thinking and looking at the real world. You know, I I think so. I feel as though fantasy, um, it's a very psychological genre. You know, if you think of your your subconscious as being, uh, as as having sort of demons and monsters lurking in it, um, fantasy is the genre where those demons and monsters come out. They come out of you. They come out. They're out in the real world. Uh, you can do battle with them. You can fight them. You can lay them to rest. Uh, it's just it's 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 a it's a different way of encountering uh, problems that I think really are real. I don't think you escape them. I think you just re-encounter them in a way that gives you a new perspective on them. Talk a little bit about the audience for fantasy, because traditionally we think about it as a younger audience or a young adult audience, but much of fantasy today, and particularly your magician series, transcends that. It is, it is more grown up in some respect. Well, you know, I wanted to see uh, when I when I wrote the magicians, I was a I was I was a huge fan of Harry Potter, of the Narnia books, uh, of Philip Pullman, T. H. White, and McCaffrey. All those all those writers. Um, but I was very conscious that the writer that the, the characters in those books tended to be very young. And I was in my early 30s, and I, and I thought, well, could I write a story like this, um, but in a way that grapples with some of the problems that I'm dealing with uh, uh, as an adult uh, in my 20s and 30s? Um, and I, I felt very much that, you know, that the answer was yes. I don't think there is anything particularly childish, uh, inherently childish or um, infantile about fantasy. I mean, before the, not to get sort of overly academic, but before the 18th century, um, fantasy and literature were the same thing. Shakespeare is full of magic and ghosts and fairies and witches, Dante, Spencer, Homer. Um, before we got so attached to realism, um, fantasy and literature, fantasy was all there was. Uh, that's what you wrote, that's what adults read. Uh, and I think we might in some way be coming back around to that. 
Talk a little bit about writing a series and both the positive side of that and the dangers of that for people that may not have read the first two, for example, and and how they might approach the magician's land. Well, it's a it's a balancing act because uh, you know there is this overarching story, uh, and yet at the same time, one wants the books to be able to to to, to stand on their own. So you you know you make you make a you make an entry point into the story where where anybody can come in, um, the doors open. Uh, and yet, you know, there are things that happen in the book that resonate with things in earlier books um, uh, that you can pick up on if, if you've read the earlier books. Um, but yeah, it's a funny kind of uh, it's a funny kind of uh, balancing act. Uh, and um, you know, uh, one does one's best to, to make the books work both ways. Talk a little bit about the overarching story, the central Quentin Coldwater, and, and, and the central framework for the Magician series, and and where the Magician's Land takes us. Well, you know, the the, the early uh, uh, the first book was really was really uh, it was a coming of age story, um, in in on some level a very conventional sentence. It was about a guy uh, who uh, was um, uh, you know he was he, he was a teenager. He still didn't have a good sense of who he was. He still felt very lost. The characters in these books they don't have a kind of Dumbledore figure, an advisor figure, or a Gandalf. Uh, they're very lost, and they have to sort of find their way and figure out who they are. Um, and so, on the one hand, you know, this has been—it's been—it's a, a, it's a fantasy story. It's about a guy who learns magic, um, and you know, and does battle and goes to different worlds and all those things. But while he does that, he's also figuring out uh, who he is, um, and and he's—he's—he uh, he's, he goes from feeling very powerless uh, and and kind of and and depressed and alienated. Uh, he becomes somebody who feels powerful. Um, uh, and who who uh, you know feels who feels he goes from feeling weak to feeling very strong, um, which is something that I went through in my own life, and I think uh, a lot of people do. And when you get to the uh, to the magician's land, you ha- he's 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 you know he's ready. He feels like a hero, and it's time for him to decide what magic is for, what he's going to do with all this power that he's acquired. Uh, and that's the story of the magician's land. Where does the role of irony fit into fantasy? That's such a good question, um, because we live in such an ironical time, on the one hand, but fantasy is a very earnest genre. It's one mm-hmm. of the things I love about it. It's, you know, when you, when you read fantasy, it's full of these big emotions, uh, you know, these big spells, these huge epic uh, conflicts. You don't go on a quest ironically. You, the, the only way to do it is with your sort of whole heart, uh, fully earnestly. Um, and yet, you know, we live in this time where everywhere we, we all speak in this sort of this, this, this jokey, ironic way. So you have a funny mix in the magician's book where the characters are, they're contemporary people. They're Americans. They talk like Americans. Uh, and, you know, they, they make a lot of jokes. There's a lot of humor. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that they learn is when you are casting spells, uh, when you're doing battle, when you're doing magic, you have to mean it. Uh, you can't hold back. Uh, and you can't be joking around. Uh, and that's actually an important lesson that the characters learn. The sense of irony or the lack of irony in fantasy really seems to be what separates it. As you say, it's earnestness in some ways that makes it less urban, less everyday in, in so many respects. Um, what's one, of the, one of the things I love about fantasy is mm-hmm. that it's not cool. Right. Uh, it, doesn't, <laughs> you know, it doesn't keep everything uh, you know, low-key. Uh, it doesn't pretend to be tough. Uh, fantasy is about uh, is about you know is about big emotions, um, and uh, we all have them. 
Uh, and in some ways, fantasy is about stopping, you, you, you don't, you stopping, uh, stopping pretending. Uh, you really, you let all those feelings out there. Um, and uh, it's a characteristic of the genre. And when you write it, you discover that, yeah, you can't be cool. You just, you can't hold back. You have to be very raw and open on the page. What, what was it like for you finishing this series, coming to the end of this three-volume journey? It's been a long journey. Uh, the Magicians itself took me five years to write, uh, and in all, uh, I am celebrating ten years writing in this world uh, and with these characters. And it, it's very satisfying to, to finish it. Uh, I feel sad to be leaving these characters behind and this world behind, at least at the moment. Um, but, you know, I, I started writing The Magicians at a time in my life uh, where I was having a lot of problems uh, and dealing with a lot of issues. Um, and over the course of writing the series, uh, I've, I've, uh, I feel like, you know, I've, I've resolved those particular problems that I was struggling with. Um, and uh, uh, so it makes sense to me in a way that it's time to leave these books behind um, and, and, and tell a new story. As somebody that, that's a book critic, a cultural critic, somebody that writes about technology, how has this appreciation for the world of fantasy shaped how you look at what, what is going on in the real world? Uh, well, it is interesting, especially as, as somebody who, who not only writes books, but, but, but writes about books. Um, there, you know, there was a real tendency in, uh, in the literary world to, to kind of treat fantasy uh, at arm's length even while it was becoming uh, incredibly popular and becoming very mainstream. And one of the main central ways that we as a culture tell stories. Um, and I can remember the first time I reviewed a book by George R. R. Martin in, in Time magazine. I don't think that the, we, that the time had covered fantasy very much before that. Uh, and there was a little moment where everybody was like, what are we what are we doing? But, you know, writing fantasy and being so invested in fantasy really has reconfigured the way I see the literary world. And I see, you know, literary fiction, it's incredibly important and wonderful, and I love it. Uh, but it's only part of what's going on in the literary world, and I try to cover that whole world. I guess there's a danger if fantasy starts to become cool in and of itself. Um, believe it or not, it's something that, you know, it's something that I think about. When I was a kid, uh, reading fantasy, there was certainly a certain stigma associated with it. It seemed like a really weird, fringy subculture that not a lot of people were into. Now you go to something like uh, Comic-Con, this huge convention in San Diego, where literally 135,000 people show up. Uh, and suddenly you feel as though, uh, on the one hand, look, I've, I found my people. I'm not alone anymore. Uh, but you also feel as though you kind of have to... Fantasy, I used to think of it as my thing. This is my thing that, you know, not everybody knows about. Uh, I've definitely had to, you know, give up that feeling of uh, ownership because fantasy is now our thing. It's everybody's thing. Lev Grossman, his newest is The Magician's Land. It's just out from Viking. Lev, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. 